0: Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining us today, he is an NCAA All-American. He was part of the famous sextet, six-piece... Uh, party that was in the NCAA final in the hundred fly for Texas in 2015. He was one of six, a finalists they put up at that meet, uh, and soon to be, he, he has many titles, many of which we're going to get into today and soon to be the newest one of those titles is the Texas volunteer coach starting in December. Today, we're talking to Will Glass. Will, how's it going, man?
1: How's it going, Colin? Good to see you again. Good to see you outside of the pool. I know that. (laughs) You come you come and swim in our master's class every now and then. So it's it's really good to talk to you outside of the pool as well. Even though we're talking about swimming.
0: to that masters uh, team in a bit. We we have a lot of topics to discuss today, which I'm excited about, but let's start with that first one. Uh, you're going to be the new volunteer at Texas. So Brett Rangel is currently the volunteer assistant coach, and you're taking his spot as of December. Uh, what, what incited this for you? And what are you excited about to, to be back on the deck with the Longhorns?
1: Right. So I I've been coaching off and on for the past four to five years, strictly master swimming, a little bit of summer league, but mostly just master swimming. And it, and it was something that I, I never felt like it was the right time for me to dip my toes in. If I, if I were to either go back to college or coach a club, I kind of have a standard of if, if, and when I go back to coaching, it would not be a club team. So My thoughts then were, okay, I have a job that I love. I I run the production facility at Nine Banded Whiskey, which we'll get into later in this conversation. And that connection, how I worked here started through swimming. So a lot of what I do has a huge influence coming from the Texas Swim Network. So looking back on all that and thinking, how can I give back to a place that I've learned so much from? What, What would that look like? And I had thought about coaching at other places, but that would entice me to have to move somewhere and then I would lose my current job. And then it dawned on me one day. Why don't I try to or just ask Wyatt and Eddie what they thought about me coming back to coach as a volunteer assistant? And so I, I reached out to Wyatt and Eddie. And after that, it was right around July time frame, July, August. And Brett is supposed to come back and coach for another year. So they, they said, Yeah, we would love you to come. We would love for you to come, although Brett's going to be continuing his volunteer spot. So that went on, time went on. Brett, who was married to Queen Carosa found out that they're having a baby coming up. And so he had to take a step back, in which in turn they called me and said, Hey, Will, would you love, we would love you to come join our coaching staff as the volunteer assistant. We need help. And I was honored to do it. There's no one else I would rather coach with, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of amazing to me that they're able to, <laughs> to um, get these former swimmers who have already spent so much time on deck with Eddie and Wyatt and get right. them back in this volunteer position, you know, as Brett yeah. Wrangled, obviously you, um, right. who I'm pretty sure you guys swam,
1: uh, had some overlap in your career. You um, did. Brett was a year younger than me. And an incredible man, incredible swimmer. His family is just equally as awesome. And he has a lot to offer and has offered those kids, those men on the Texas team.
0: Yeah. So when you get back on deck, what are you most excited to, I guess, offer as well as pick up or learn from this new college um, environment?
1: Yeah, I, I do feel as if today's college kids might have a different perspective on life and swimming and school and all of the above than when i was in college and we and my class graduated in 2017 it was not that long ago yet it was before a pandemic when the world shut down technology probably isn't advanced we didn't have tiktok or any of that so there's a lot to offer that these kids are coming into school and constantly being bombarded with information But from my perspective, I took in college as a huge learning curve for for myself and when I was growing as an individual. I made mistakes along the way, learned from those mistakes, and I am incredibly thankful for the amount of time and effort that I put into swimming. And I am just hoping I can give some of the lessons that I learned through my club coaches, through my college coaches back to those individuals on the team as a coach, as a mentor, in any way I can help. It's so important to me just to find somebody that they can talk to as an athlete coming from a student athlete's perspective rather than a coach, you know, someone they can relate to on a different level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm a little curious why when you were looking for other coaching opportunities, did you say to yourself, like, absolutely not club?
1: Club swim it's not that I would never coach club. It it would be the timing aspect to it. There's there's a different structure when coaching uh I'm when I'm thinking of a physical stature of an individual, there's a difference between weightlifting and swimming as a 17 to 21 year old male than there is developing a nine to 13 year old female or male and the way that i enjoy coaching the way i enjoy practicing involves a lot around training as a more developed individual because when you're developed it, it, it projects you to be able to do more things within practice, race harder, actually get your muscles tired. And that is taking nothing away from not being not wanting to be a club coach, because the, the club coaches that are out there are the fundamentals of everything that the sport of swimming has to offer. You know, it's just a different perspective. And I tend to lean more towards the college perspective of this is how the setup works. We train this hard we lift this many ways to this amount per week and then we rest.
0: Yeah. Which makes total sense. You know, everyone kind of has their wheelhouse of what they prefer, how they prefer to coach. And I was just curious about yours and, and your preferences. So that clears yeah. that up for me. Um, yeah. so in terms of practice, in terms of training, uh, I, I want you to put me in a, in a Texas practice. You were on this team for four years. And I'm just curious from your perspective, what was that training environment like? You were on some legendary teams. Uh, We we talked about it earlier, that 2015 team that put six up in the 100 fly, 16, 17, when they still went on and won NCAA titles. Um, So from your perspective, just what was it like training with with that Longhorn team?
1: It's incredibly valuable to be able to not only participate, but compete in an environment where people are either training or competing at meets at the highest level. It's so, I, I feel so lucky just to be able to be a part of any of that, uh, much less be a leader on that team. I learned so much through it. And just thinking, going back and thinking all these thoughts of, ah, oh, when I was in school, what, what all stood out to me? What, what would I just have taken away from that? Was that the, maybe the individuals on the lower part of the totem pole, these individuals probably had a lot more to offer than maybe people that were higher up that just sometimes swam faster, you know? And so from my perspective, looking at the team as a whole, I know that every single individual has something valuable that other teammates can learn. And so I hope to provide some type of thought of that to the swimmers on the Texas team when I'm there is to really encourage them all to speak up, uh, become a community work as one, because when we were swimming in 2013 to 2017, uh, when we got there, the, the team had taken a dip. They have got, they had gotten fifth the year before. And then my freshman year, uh, we weren't even supposed to place in the top 10 and we ended up getting second to Cal. Uh, which was an incredibly painful defeat. But luckily for the next three years, sophomore, junior, and senior year, I promised myself and my teammates that we would never feel that pain again. And it was, it was a truly life-changing moment for all of us was that sometimes you have to lose before and feel the pain of defeat before you can take that next step. So just being on, I forget what your question was originally, but just living in an environment where people are at such an elite level uh, just develops you as a person in the pool, and then you take that outside of the pool, and you can apply that into other aspects of life.
0: Yeah. Um, Again, going back to your time on the team, I feel like there's so many Eddyisms for for longhorn practices at this point um we have the eddie <laughs> reese invite we have orange and white you know there's there's so many little mini meets throughout the season that we've covered i i'm excited to go to orange and white tomorrow yeah tomorrow. Uh, I, yeah tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, talking um, about <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm stoked to go see that and what you know this new crop of guys can throw down um do you have a favorite memory of, of practice or a meet or one that stands out to you, um, in terms of when you threw down or when you saw your teammates throw down?
1: I was having this conversation with uh, a swimmer at Rollingwood this morning during our master's workout. So it's, it is top of mind for me. Uh, they were asking, they, they were asking me this morning, have we ever done min- uh, hundreds on a minute before? And I was like, yeah, we've done hundreds on a minute before. <laughs> As a sprinter to mid-distance, we did it. We would do a set once or twice a year. That was 2100s on a minute, but that I felt like a like a wuss because Clark, Smith, and Michael McBroom and Sam Lewis were going 6100s on a minute, <laughs> as the distance group, which was incredible. But three years before that, we had Jackson Wilcox and another guy. I can't remember. It might have been Michael McBroom go 100 100s on a minute. And one of them ended up tearing their shoulder, or something happened during that practice where Eddie was like, "Okay, we can't do 100 anymore. Let's let's scale it back to 60, and the sprinters' mid-distance will go 20." That stuck out to me a lot. I mean, anyone that's able to do that and not be throwing up at the end of practice is is completely in shape. I don't even think Clark was tired by the end of that. It takes a lot. Clark Smith is truly. <laughs> A freak of nature and he deserves all the respect in the world because that guy can crank it out
0: yeah i mean he listening to stories i feel like uh the stories i hear about clark are unlike stories i hear about anyone else right. <laughs> from any yeah. other swim team he um absolutely he, yeah he, that's uh, that's pretty wild and again you you swam with some really legendary guys: uh, schooling Conger, Clark oh, yeah. Smith, Will Lacone.
1: and I mean, my class specifically, we had, we had a powerhouse of a class. By the by, the time we had graduated, wow! Just looking back on it, it was it was really cool. Because well. uh-huh. as well, everyone we had Mark Anderson. Uh, And Michael Hickson, who was on our team freshman year. As a freshman, he won two individual boards. And I want to say he got second on the third board. And then he ended up transferring after our freshman year. And Mark Anderson, who was the other diver, who's one of my best friend's old roommate, uh, he stepped in and killed it. Uh, He was in our class. Jack was in our class. Will Lacone, PJ Dunn, uh, a lot. I I know I'm blanking on some right now. (laughs) It was incredible. (laughs)
0: learned a lot from them uh just so moving through your time at texas um how you know you mentioned losing in 2014 or rather getting second 2014 which was in ncaa's was in austin that year um how did you guys how were you guys able to carry that feeling especially moving through 15 and then 16 and 17, when you were upperclassmen, you you know, your whole class or you specifically, um, how did, how did you develop leadership through those years for yourself?
1: That's a, that's a long, hard answer for me because the first year I want to say it was, it was definitely the easiest year to do it because we were so mad that we had lost in 2014. All we wanted to do, was when We had Joe Schooling coming in the next year, who was a phenom at the time, but this is pre-Olympic gold medals. We knew that he was good. Uh, I don't know if the rest of the NCAA knew that he was good. And then we had uh, an, uh, just an awesome rest of the class coming in as well. So 2015, I would say, was the easiest year. After we won in Iowa, that night, I want to say, or the maybe it was the Monday morning after we got back, after the meet, uh, Chris Kubik, who's our former assistant coach, uh, came, we sat down and had a meeting and he said, y'all just won the national championship. The hardest thing for you to do at this point will be to repeat a national championship. It rarely happens. If you look at the statistics across all sports, a team that wins the national championship drastically has a, a very small chance of winning back to back. And so, for me, as a as a junior going into 2016, I I looked at the team as a whole and evaluated. Okay, we were able to achieve this amount of success with these people. What do we have to do to achieve the amount of success with the next group of people that we're having? And it's always sad when you're when you're best friends with people that. Are older than you, and they graduate. They're no longer on your team, but you have to go out of your way to welcome the next class in. And while all this is going on, Chris Kubik uh, decides and deservedly retires, and so that was a that was a bone in the system that we had to figure out. So now we have a new coach, we have a new class, and we have to figure out how we're going to win again. Uh, and that was after the Atlanta national championship. So we went in 2016 back-to-back national championships. And I, I want to say that was the most points that we had scored during that run that we were on that Atlanta swim meet. Was, I think we won uh, over 10 events or including relays. It was a lot. Uh, so we had won, but personally as me, Uh, I didn't feel as much reward at the end of the 2016 national championship. It was something that you worked so hard to the first year that you did it and you did it and you reached the top of the mountain, but then what do you do, you know? And so I was, as a team and as as an individual, I felt like we were chasing uh, a reward that we would end up getting to and then uh, personally felt like it wasn't enough so what do you do in that situation you keep trying and trying and doing it again so we end up the next year and uh i'm blanking on where the meet was in 2017 do you remember yeah it was Uh, um minnesota in 18 it was atlanta in 16 indianapolis Indianapolis. yeah indy indy we get to indianapolis and i don't think we performed that final year as as good we had as good as we had done in the past. Uh, me personally, I did not perform up to the level that I had wanted to. Um, but a lot of that was just feeling so much unnecessary pressure on myself to have to perform at such a certain level. And getting back to your earlier question about what can I provide? What am I most excited for? Uh, going back and coaching a college team, an elite college team, is I bring a different perspective of, okay, I have won three national championships with my in my time at Texas. And after each one of those, I was feeling less fulfilled, yet I was still doing it. And it was putting my life on a trajectory where it was just chasing a reward. But I want to be able to go back to these college kids, grown men, and teach them and, and mentor them of let's really sit down and look at what we're trying to accomplish. Yes, we want to accomplish and win a national championship as a team or individually. But what else is there? You're building a brotherhood with the guys in your class. You're helping guys that are freshmen in college grow up and realize what this whole thing is about. And you're developing as a human being. So how can I... That's one of the things I'm trying to work on when I get there specifically. Is how can I help them realize that they're not in this alone? Uh, you're growing as a person, and we're here to enjoy it. That's the most important thing, because we would all go back in a heartbeat if we could. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great time in life.
0: <laughs> Does that make God. sense? It does, yeah, and I I love that answer. Um, It was it was nice and lengthy, and I thank you for going into depth about just kind of how you developed um, the leadership that you're hoping to pass on. Right. Um, so for you as a as a swimmer on that team, uh, I was looking into it. You swam five different events during your four years at NCAA's. So you swam hundred fly, hundred back, two hundred fly, two hundred back and 200 IM yeah. all yeah. through the course of your NCAA career.
1: Um, Which I still hold a grudge with for Eddie for making me swim 200 IM.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah. I mean, just like, can you, what was it like being that versatile, but also having to kind of sacrifice in that way for the team, just right. stepping up and being like, you know, all right, we need you in these events this year.
1: Right. 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 I was a, uh, Butterflyer and backstroker coming out of high school and when Eddie was recruiting me and Chris they told me that since you have such a good dolphin kick you're going to have a good flutter kick and when you have a good flutter kick and a good dolphin kick you'll be a good freestyler <laughs> which I felt never developed to the extent that I maybe had wanted it to uh, but it did put me in a position to be able to swim more than one event. Going into my freshman NCAAs, I had qualified for the 100 back or or maybe it was the 200 back, but I was swimming backstroke at NCAAs and I had a B cut of the 100 fly. And I didn't know if I was going to swim the 100 fly because it was a double on the same day as 100 back. And I want to say my time at, at that point was maybe a 46 high or 47 low. It was just under the B cut. Uh, but I had a conversation with Eddie right before NCAA's my freshman year, and I was, I was like, "Hey man, I want to swim the hundred fly. I I've done this my whole life. I know how to do a double of the hundred fly, hundred back, and I know I can do good and help the team. And so when you're that enthusiastic towards Eddie, ninety percent of the time he lets you do it. Uh, so I entered the hundred fly that first time around and ended up getting seventh out of prelims. And so right off the bat, I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to I'm going to have a good meet and just walked up to Eddie and was like, there you, there you go. <laughs> I, I knew that I could do it and I went out and did it. Uh, so that's a successful feeling. Uh, but over the next three and four years, I was all over the map. I did 200 back, 100 fly, like you said, 100 back, 200 back uh, and 200 IM my final year uh not a fan of the 200 i am not a fan of breaststroke i have very flat feet and those flat feet are good at dolphin kicking (laughs) and they are not meant to go the other way (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then uh, you know
0: obviously you were uh one of six in that hundred fly final Um, can you just take me through what you remember about that day because it is yeah. just so infamous, and I remember that day vividly, just because <laughs> looking up after prelims and everyone being like, you know, oh, and just being like, well, the meet's over, like that's it, yeah. Texas yeah. won.
1: That's it. That's it. We uh, we were sitting in Gesture Dormitory, which is our dorm that the freshmen and sophomore live in, uh, and we were all hanging out there about a week before that NCAA is in Iowa. And I want to say it was myself and Matt Ellis and John Murray, maybe Jack was there. I can't remember who else there. It was at least us three, and we were just talking. We were looking through the site sheet uh, at the event. We all knew what each individual was capable of. I don't think the rest of the NCA once again knew what all the individuals were capable of. And we we're just like, yeah, what if, what if we put five people up? You know, <laughs> what if we we can do it? Uh, Will it happen? I don't know. That's kind of just how we touch on the wall, but we can all do it. And then that day, uh, I want to say I was, uh, I was in the circle seated heats maybe going second to last and John Murray and Matt Ellis finished right before me. uh, And just, I think everyone won their heat. Uh, And then I went probably one or got second in my heat and then either Jack or Joe was behind me and touched. And so it was incredible, <laughs> but it was, it's one of those things you don't really realize uh, until after like months go by and you were, you just think, okay, the odds of that happening at that level will never happen again. <laughs> Maybe it does. I hope it does. Cause it's good for the sport when something like that happens. Uh, and it would have been one thing if everyone that made that final was an Olympian or Olympic gold medalist, but we did it with folks that were still up and coming, you know, we weren't to that top level yet. And after that, after that race, then we m- might as well. Have been. No kidding.
0: I mean, yeah, I think everyone kind of knew those names a little better after that mm-hmm. race um, and after that meet. Uh, yeah. But I mean, yeah, certainly that's a moment that I still kind of look back and be like, yeah, yeah, this has not been paralleled pretty much <laughs> since. <Yeah>.
1: I, I <laughs> think. We're- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I just was going to add one more note to
0: it. Oh, yeah. Please do. Add, add the note.
1: Oh, so, okay. Uh, we had six of the top eight. We went one, two, three, four. The guy that got seventh was from North Carolina, and his name was Sam Lewis, which we had another Sam Lewis on our team. And mm-hmm. so I have a picture of, you know, uh, right before you dive in, they have the your team name or your team logo and your name on the lane if you're watching it on TV. <laughs> It Had all six of us, and then it said Lewis and UNC, uh, which was just a, a kind of a cherry on top because we always joke on oh, we got seven in there, too. Just saying exactly. <laughs> we
0: got, yeah, bonus number seven. That's that yeah, great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so moving on to, to present day, uh, you again, we we alluded to this, you have a couple. You do a couple of things in your day to day. The first of which is you coach at Western Hills athletic club, you coach masters. That's where I swim masters. That's where we kind of met. Um, and just, I want your perspective on this pool on this place as, as a master's team, because to me, Austin, first of all, is just this hub of swimming culture, right? You can't throw a stone without hitting someone who swam in college who swam at UT, who knows a UT swimmer, who, you know, just is a triathlete, is a professional triathlete. Um, There's just, it it has a very athletic centric culture here. And I think there's multiple, at least four or five different master's teams just in the Austin area. Um, But from your perspective, you know, why did you start coaching at Western Hills and what makes it special for you?
1: Right, uh Western Hills Athletic Club is located in Rollingwood, Texas, which is—I'm not sure why it's its own city, or I don't even know if it's a city, <laughs> yeah. but it's a small pocket, which is basically downtown Austin <laughs> that that has its own zip code and whatnot. And they have a country club there that has an outdoor pool, uh, one of the better outdoor pools in Austin. People have been swimming on this masters team for the past thirty plus years of all walks of life Uh, we've had people that were triathletes we've had like you said swimmers at ut swimmers from every other college Uh, we've had lance armstrong we have had a slew of impressive people in the pool and out of the pool come through this master's program i was lucky enough to find it and become a coach through my mentor and boss named sean foley who also swam at UT, who also owns the company that I work for at Nine Banded Whiskey. And so if you want to get into that more, I can talk on that some more. Although how I got connected there was when I started working at Nine Banded Whiskey, Sean had introduced me and invited me to come swim with him at Rolling Wood. And that was over four years ago. Uh, and I was able to pick up a two, I do two mornings. I do Wednesday and Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Uh, But what's cool about Rollingwood, in my perspective is that if you're a swimmer, you get a different coach every single day. (laughs) And they're all amazing coaches. (laughs) Tuesday, you have Chris Kemp swam at UT in the early 2000s. Wednesday, you have me. Uh, Clark coaches, I think, Wednesday at eight, maybe at noon. So you got Clark Smith, uh, JT Larson's in there, Cheryl Riddle's in there who just got inducted into the hall of fame at UT two weeks ago. It is an incredible amount of talent as coaches, but also individuals that are there. And being around those individuals can make a huge impact on anyone's life. Uh, Yeah, I want to
0: just throw a few names out there for our listeners. Ian Crocker, used to coach there. Um, That's where I met Ian. How I got introduced to Western Hills, was Clark Burkle was living in Austin at the time. And he was like, Oh, you got to come s- swim at this master's team. And it was him and Hayes Johnson, <laughs> who yeah. was a UT swimmer now married <laughs> to Missy Franklin. Um, so like I swam with those two and it was just like, Oh my God, like, what is this? So, yeah. As you mentioned, I swam in Lance Lance Armstrong's lane one day and
1: it was just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I remember the first time that I was coaching him and just thinking, wow, this is a small world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it really is, but you would never if you didn't know these people by name, you would never assume or realize that they had had done all these athletic accomplishments because to me, the 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 thing that stands out is just everyone is so friendly. Everyone's yeah. so chatty. It's just kind of like everyone is going there to To get their day started on the right foot, right? Right, right. Like you, you get a, a
1: session, yeah,
0: yeah. You get a good workout, but it's not too it's not too hard. Unless- oh no, no,
1: we talk, we <laughs> hang out, we have masters minutes, and uh, we call them smoke <laughs> breaks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's part of the reason that I I keep and continue coaching there is because it's not the I won't name the teams uh, other teams around the city that uh, kind of focus extremely hard at 5am or 6am in the morning on, uh, uh, getting there, working out and nothing's wrong with that. Nothing at all. It's just a different perspective on how you want to attack your day. And I prefer
0: Absolutely. that way. I'm with, and I'm with you there. And that's why I go to Western yeah. Hills, uh, because, yeah. because yeah, I, I just want to kind of get my day started nice and easy, get it, get yeah. a nice workout, but not necessarily, yeah. uh, push it. At, yeah. at 5 30 yeah. or 6 30 a.m. Yeah. Um so then yeah, lastly, nine-banded whiskey. I don't even know that much about it. I know that Sean was a founder or co-founder, yeah. and I know founder. you work there now. Um yeah. so just can you tell me a little bit about the
1: history there and and why swimmers in Austin are now making whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> uh so nine nine-banded whiskey was founded uh sometime around 2015, 2016 by a trio of founders, uh, one initial investor, one of the, one guy of the name, Chris Ogden, who he was the old UT Arlington basketball coach, played basketball at UT, and is now the assistant to Chris Beard. He's the director of operations for the basketball team. So investor Chris Ogden and Sean Foley, who swam at UT in the early 2000s. They had all gotten together at the time and thought, why is there not a reasonably priced bourbon from Austin? Because Austin is known at this time for uh, producing really incredible spirits or beers. Why is there not a reasonably priced bourbon that's good that you can buy every day on the shelf? And at the time, there wasn't. And so we created that. Uh, Sean and Chris and Whitney were the original founders uh, and we've developed. I came in in two thousand seventeen, roughly two years after the company started going. Uh, and we've just been working extremely hard on pumping this out, uh, getting the brand recognition really in Austin. And I could talk all day on uh, the power of the of starting a business in Austin because. The, the the community here, the people here are, are incredible. Uh, everyone here loves local stuff. And then really everyone in the United States loves stuff from here. And so it's a kind of a win-win when you're trying to build a brand. Uh, we're in about 10 other states. Uh, just quick, uh, Florida, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Arizona, California, really the Southwest to Southeast side. Uh, we've been in New York a few times though, just kind of one-off things. Uh, so yeah, we're building the brand. Uh, it's a, a lot of our company besides the people that I mentioned already went to UT. Uh, we work hand in hand with UT athletics. Uh, we've been sponsoring tailgates for football games. Uh, we're all, or we're in it for the community. Uh, what our brand represents is the spirit of Austin. Uh, and if, if we have time, I can dive more into that. But that's really what what we do and what we're trying to accomplish. Nice. Um, yeah,
0: what is, I'm curious, just on a personal note, uh, you're the production manager, is that right? Is yeah. that your role? So
1: master blender production manager, my job is to facilitate uh, getting our whiskey out the door to the distributor. So anything that that entails. Also, we're a relatively small company where we're quality over quantity uh, and some incredibly powerful hitters on our team. Uh, but we really have our feet in every part of the business. And so Elena, my, our, our marketing girl, uh, she'll call me up and then ask me to help out with events. I'll go help out with events. I'll go help out with sales when Josh or Rick or me uh, for sales. And so, yeah, I I try to stay flexible and and do everything that part of my mentality is that if you can just spread your wings out and entrench yourself in so many parts of what you're trying to do, your worth and knowledge grows exponentially. And so that will also be the mindset I have when I join the volunteer as the volunteer at Texas.